Business Power Hour. Well, once again, an hour of power for you tonight in no uncertain terms. I'm Alec Hogg from biznews.com, and you'll hear in just a moment from other colleagues of mine, uh, Nadia Swart and uh, Justin Rowe Roberts. But before we get into that side of it, the markets, let me just tell you what's coming up in the next 60 minutes. We've got a cracking interview straight after the markets with Jason McCormick. This is a company, a family-owned company, that's got 68 shopping centers around South Africa. A number of them have been completely trashed by the looters. But it's not just looters. As you'll hear from Jason McCormick, he says instead of going to business school, he should rather have gone to the military college at Sandhurst. That is the kind of attacks that they've had. High-caliber Weapons, R1s and R4s that were used in attacks against the shopping centers. The, the process seems to be the first wave comes in very well coordinated, shoots up the place, gets rid of the security, breaks the, uh, the water and the sprinkler system so that they can not stop, the shopping owner cannot stop the fires, and then they open the gates for the looters. That's what it's about. A fascinating story. We'll also hear tonight from Pit Fulyun. Herman Mashaba, who is breathing fire, the head of Action SA, former mayor of Johannesburg, he reckons that they're on track to win some big victories in the municipal elections. But before that, he is suing Cyril Maposa and the Minister of Police and Defence for being absent on absent without leave. They were nowhere during the initial stages of the looting, and Mashaba wants them to pay for it. We'll then hear an uplifting story from Dr. Imtia Suleiman of Gift of the Givers. Again, he's identified in his ideas who is behind this, including who he calls traitors, uh, who are guilty of sedition. And then finally tonight, Wayne Duvenage, who is the head of Outer, uh, the most, uh, I suppose, powerful of the community organization, certainly by the track record. And uh, we'll be hearing from Wayne what this means for civil service or civil organizations into the future. But before we get there, let's find out more from what's happening on the markets. Bright Rock believes that with every change in life comes opportunity and the markets aren't any different. The daily movement in the markets mean change for us all, sometimes small, sometimes big. This daily market report is made just for you by Bright Rock, the first ever needs meshed life insurance that changes as your life changes. Before we bring in Nadia Swat, just to remind you that the interviews that you hear on this program are edited from the full-length interview. So if you want more, go on to Biz News Radio on Spotify and iTunes, or you can go and watch the recorded video on YouTube.com, and that's on Biz News TV. Okay, there's a mouthful. Nadia, what's going on in the news? South Africa mustered its army reserves in a bid to quell several days of looting that has ravaged supplies of food and other essentials and dealt a crippling blow to its economy. The disorder slowly began to ebb across most affected provinces on Thursday before an expected increase in soldiers on the streets. The soldiers were expected in the hotspots of KwaZulu-Natal and Gauteng provinces where the police and the army have been battling the disorder for days. Troops in the provinces of KZN and Gauteng will be boosted to 25,000 from about 5,000 following a discussion between the government and opposition parties. The World Health Organization's Africa director has warned that South Africa should prepare itself for a surge in coronavirus cases following the widespread rioting and looting that has occurred in the two most populous provinces. The deadliest and most widespread unrest since the end of apartheid has been raging since July 10th. The looting sprees have occurred amid the country's third and most severe wave of COVID-19 infections. We are concerned about the last three or so days of rioting in some parts of South Africa, as it may exacerbate the situation of a very severe wave, Machidiso Mueti, the WHO's Africa director, said on a conference call. The government has to brace itself, and we in the WHO will be preparing to see an increase in the cases again. Santam says the recent spates of looting and destruction to property could have long-term implications on the cost of insurance and investor confidence in South Africa. Although Suntem does not provide cover for riots, strike actions and public disorder like other short-term insurance, it will assist clients and intermediaries with their claims to state-owned insurance company, Sasria, which deals with claims related to unrest. 
The looting comes as Suntum continues with payments of COVID-19 lockdown-related contingent business interruption claims. The insurer has said that 60% of its policyholders have submitted claims and is a, it has paid out 600 million rand since January 2021. And on to the markets now with Justin Rowe Roberts. The JSC All Share Index was lower at 67,300. In the currency markets, the Rand was stronger against all the major currencies to 14 Rand 54 cents to the dollar, 20 Rand and 14 cents to the pound, and 17 Rand and 18 cents to the euro. Gold is flat at $1,826 an ounce. A Kruger Rand will cost you around 28,000 Rand. Brent crude is lower at $74.30 a barrel. And Bitcoin is trading around the 460,000 Rand level. Standard Bank has offered to buy out all the shares of Liberty that they don't already own. In the deal, Liberty shareholders will get a half a Standard Bank share plus 25 Rand 50 in cash, which adds up to around 89 Rand 46 cents per share, a 33% premium to yesterday's closing price. In a media press conference, Standard Bank CEO Sim Shabalala said the reasons for the transaction were to create synergies amongst the two businesses as well as create investment scale. Some larger JSE-listed counters have started announcing the extent of damages and looting over KZN and parts of Gauteng. Mr. Price, Famous Brands and Tiger Brands have announced significant damages and operational challenges that have been created in the wake of the protests. Standard Bank confirmed that over 208 ATMs and 33 branches having fall victim to the attacks. Business remains largely closed in the KZN region with large parts of Gauteng the same. This market report was made just for you by Brad Rock, the first ever needs-matched life insurance that changes as your life changes. Well, it gets very real when you own properties that have been the targets of looters and very little support, if any, from the state. That's the position that Jason McCormack is in. Jason, just give us a little bit of background. The McCormack family is well known as, as property developers. How long have you guys been at it? Um, 39 years next March um, as McCormick Property Development, um, always focused in the rural areas, um, particularly the homelands. My dad was the first guy to really focus on them. Um, he actually did what we believe was the first broad-based BEE scheme in 1987 in Guiani. Um, and yeah, we've always been focused on the, ho- on the homelands. And because in the early days, the townships were too hot to, to, de- to develop. Um, we've obviously now been focused on the townships uh, once they became more peaceful, and we find ourselves here today. And you've also got exposure on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange. Yeah, certainly. That is exemplar retail. Uh, we listed a portfolio of 20 properties in 2018 in June. And yeah, so that's our, our listed entity. The majority of the development still done through the unlisted company, although we have started with our first two developments um, within Exemplar itself, so actually doing the developments in the fund. So how many shopping centers are we talking about within the group? So in terms of developed over the over the time, I think we're on 68. In terms of those that are still owned by, or now by Exemplar, 23 currently. You, you said ex-military people who've, who've coordinated the attacks. Just take us through that so that we from the outside can understand what you've been going through. Um, on, in particular, the two uh, malls in Gauteng, Alex Mall on Tuesday night had a gang of uh, about 2,000 people that had been incited. Obviously, we believe that the common man is being used by a very small group of, of people. Um, we have we have managed to catch a number of these instigators um, from KwaZulu-Natal. Um, so they are definitely outsiders that have come to instigate people. And, and, and allegedly they're saying, uh, we're going to give you protection. You're not going to be shot at um, because we're going to protect you and, and you guys can go and do the shopping. As soon as we breach, they set fires and um, shoot at our security. Uh, it's high caliber stuff. Um, uh, we've had tactical teams and and. I'm no expert in, in military, so this is what's coming from the tactical guys, that they've been hit, uh, shot at with R1s, R4s, that kind of um, military-grade weapon. So, yeah, so from our side, that firefight lasted a couple of hours. Um, we were shooting at them with rubber bullets. Um, eventually, um, 
bird shot was being used, shot shooting at their feet and everything else. And um, what turned the tide there, I'm afraid to say, is, is the taxi industry came in to, um, to support us because they've got a, a massive rank and they realized their business was going to be jeopardized. They came in um, and, and actually started firing the odd live round. And within no time, that disabled that one. Um, the next night was, was hectic at Mall of Tembisa. Uh, we faced a huge onslaught um, with... As expected, they tried to attack our fire suppression system, water tanks, fire pumps first. Um, so the intention wasn't to come in and loot. The intention was to loot and then to burn to make sure that our sprinklers didn't work. We didn't have water to put them out in Teku Plaza in, 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 in KZN. They, um, they did the same, disabled all our water tanks, our fire pumps, stole our fire hose reels, used all our extinguishers. Uh, uh, extinguished in the parking lot and so we had no nothing to fight the fires so yeah fortunately they built with firewalls and and a lot of the fires were were contained but there's no doubt you know you don't do that kind of thing without having a proper planned attack um uh, attack strategy um it's, it wasn't just people coming to to loot there was a definite intention to to damage our malls have you lost anybody um one but yeah, fortunately, only one thus far. But it sounds like sedition. It sounds like something that was planned to disrupt the country or to destabilize South Africa. It was planned very well. There's no doubt about it. You know, the this whole thing has been organised beyond any level I think that any of us could have expected. There's, there's no, there's no doubt. If you look, it's, it's. I don't know. People are saying it's tantamount to treason, and I tend to agree. If you look at what they are looking to disrupt supply chains, they are looking to, yeah, it's 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 been very well thought out, very well planned, um, and and obviously our malls are the final, you know, the final step in 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 the distribution chain for a lot of the, the FMCG and, and everything else, um, and yeah, so we are just part of a, a big grand plan, you know, as as, as much as it hurts us. Um, that we've been attacked, given by the same community that that we've worked so closely with. Um, a lot of the communities are partners in our malls, um, and you know it, it. You can't get too too emotional about it because it's not about us. It's about a, a bigger plan that we just somehow are, are a, a a part of a bigger plan. The intel that we have got is these incitors are literally going from community to community. They've got areas that they're looking to target. They incite a and say we're going to protect you. They breach. They get the the community in uh, to start looting. They then move off to the next day of doing diversions. They're pulling the police, the pops, the saps elsewhere, and then they hit a mall here. Then they do something else elsewhere. So they have to move off. Then they set fire here. It's it's been yeah. They've because they've done it in such a coordinated fashion. They've really stretched the security services, and and we are having to coordinate effectively a civilian task force, the civilian army, um, to try and help protect ourselves. Because unfortunately, you know, with all of it going on, the SAPs and SANDF has just been stretched um, in every which way. And, and so obviously we've, we've had to put in significant, significant steps to, to look after our assets, uh, look after our people. And presumably those steps are going to be permanent, given that this was coordinated and could be repeated. There is a lot of learning that we've taken out of this. Um, so certainly in the rebuild program, um, the malls that we are rebuilding and the malls that we are going to continue developing will be built very differently in terms of the security measures that we are going to be putting in place. Because, yeah, as I say, um, we've learned a lot over the over the past week. What about your shopping centres in rural areas? I What's love been the, the experience there? I love the rural areas. I absolutely love the people. Um, for, you know, I love developing them. There is where you make the biggest difference because you know people aren't having to spend a hundred hundred rand on a round trip to go into town. Uh, you make a, a significant difference. Um, and the rural areas have been amazing. They have formed human chains. They have protected us um, in in these areas. They haven't allowed themselves to be caught up in all of this. Um, that's where the bulk of our our assets still standing remain in these areas. Um, you know, so you know we've got 18 that are still operating and 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 are you know almost ops normal. 
Um, so the rural areas are, have been fine. It's, it's the Gauteng townships um, and, and, and KZN. KZN was, 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 was heavy. Um, there are two malls in, in rural KZN that, that did get hit. Um, but up here, uh, the rural stuff is all pumping, trading well. Are you insured? Are your, your tenants, will they be reimbursed in some way or was it, is it their issue? Yeah, look, you know, the, the insurance is obviously a big question on everyone's mind. You know, is, does Cesare have enough of a kitty um, to cover all of this? Um, or has it all been plundered? Um, you know, no one, no one really knows. They are saying, yes, you know, they have got sufficient. Um, there's no doubt that the numbers I've seen um, are not what the damage that's out there. I think people are, are underestimating the damage uh, completely. Um, you know, I heard... I heard someone say, or oh, the, the premier of KZN said there's a thousand jobs that have been lost in KZN. And I was like, well, there's three and a half thousand in our portfolio alone. And, and that's just um, four shopping centers. So, you know, mm-hmm. the, what's happening on the ground, I don't know, you know, I don't know if everyone is fully aware of the full extent of everything. But my, you know, in terms of coming back to the insurance, we are fully insured um, on, from both a SASRIA and a, you know, our main policy where, where it ultimately sits. Um, you know, we haven't got to that yet. Um, there is a fine line between Sazra, where Sazra stops and ends, and, and, and you know what is civil unrest and what is vandalism and looting. Um, so we are working, obviously, very closely with our brokers at the moment to formulate our claims so that we can finalise and submit them. Uh, but we don't know the full extent of the damage at the moment. We are, as of today, starting with the the structural analysis of uh, Edendale in Peter Maritzburg um, and, and the other shopping centers just to see what actually needs to be replaced and, and starting to quantify the cost of the rebuild, um, rebuild program. Um, but as I say, I've, um, we are fully insured. Let's just hope that there's enough money in the kitty and they're sufficiently underwritten to pay for whatever um, they need to, because obviously we've been paying insurance for, for 40 years and have never really had major claims. Um, and obviously, you know, there, there are a lot of claims going to be coming in concurrently. So one just hopes that there is sufficient in, in the kitty to, to settle all the claims. Well, it's Thursday after a extraordinary week. And who better to pull it all together for us than Pit Fillion, uh, who is, as I've often said, the most rational guy I know. And so what's the rational perspective of what's the, what the country's been through in the last week? Well, I think the first comment would be to say that it is super hard to stay rational in times like these. It's, it's just upsetting. It's, uh, it's tremendously upsetting to, to see the uh, videos and images of what's been going on in KZN and parts of Johannesburg. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's a cause for deep reflection. Uh, and um, it, it's hard to just make a knee-jerk reaction and say it's this or that, or one should do this, or one should do that. Uh, in terms of uh, the funds I run, I have done nothing. I have actually consciously not done anything at all uh, because the environment is just so uncertain. What about the RAND, Pete? We were talking earlier, Clive and I, about the fact that the RAND has not really moved much. No, it hasn't. Um, uh, so, and that's the strange thing. I mean, stocks haven't moved very much. Um, the rand hasn't moved very much. Yet, I think what's happening is almost a, it could be. And again, I mean, one one would have to think very clearly and deeply about this uh, and speak to a lot more people. But what is happening could almost be a watershed for the country. Um, so things could either change for the positive or for the negative, but things will have to change. Uh, there's no doubt. Um, and how do you position for that massive uncertainty? Uh, that's, uh, you know, I don't have the answer for that right now. But the way we've been going, it's been described, I suppose, by people who would have been perceived to be radical as like a frog in a pot of water, which is brought slowly to the boil. This, this boiling frog syndrome. I've heard it many times. Yes, this, yes. That, that the, the society is just getting more and more uh, uh, marginalized, uh, poorer, uh, and, and less, uh, less hopeful by a, um, a system which is just slowly 
and and but very surely uh, removing uh, the economic sense from uh, from a, a complex economy uh, do you, and then maybe this uh, is the frog jumping out of that pot it it, it could be um although it's a, it's a pot with very high sides very hard to jump out of that pot uh, unless you move to a completely different new pot somewhere else um so it's not easy uh, but i think what we have today is a result of an incapable government because i think you know if you look at the images and the videos of what's been happening on the complete at least initially the complete absence of security forces the complete absence of government uh giving reassurance and attending to the matter uh the absence of government completely was probably the thing that struck me the most um so and that could mean many different things uh but what it definitely is a continuation of an incapable government. And it, that is why there is such massive inequality in the country, which is this tinderbox, which has now uh, been set aflame. Magnus Hastek was saying yesterday that what worries him is that this incapable government is going to double down on its capable state idea and actually not just uh, not learn from this insanity and the the fact that unemployment is at ridiculous levels but uh, try and now prove its point by really following uh, the capable state development state <laughs> yeah, ideal yeah yeah so so and that's why i say i think uh, why i say i think we're at a watershed because if that happens then i think things are quite negative um if the incapable state doubles down um and tries to um improve what it does uh, it just makes things worse and it has been doing for 25 years now uh, whereas if it uses opportunity to with, withdraw and start thinking about what uh, policies could be changed to create growth to create employment to create jobs um, to help business uh, do those things then i think it's a change to the positive so and that's what i'm saying i think we're sitting at a watershed here if we go the way of promoting growth and jobs and employment, it could be a very good outcome. But if we go down the road of this incapable state doubling down on their failed policies, then I think, um, you know, I, I think it's very negative. There is the other side in that communities have seen that they cannot be, uh, they cannot rely on the state uh, in times, in their darkest hours. And as a consequence, communities have pulled together to look after themselves. We've seen this with family and friends. Uh, you know I'm from KwaZulu-Natal, so I see this uh, with, with many people that I know. The apathetic have really woken up. And perhaps you can have the most capable or incapable state or whatever the state wants to do. Once that genie's out the bottle, are we not talking about a different approach towards life? Uh, yes, possibly, but I do think that um, that sort of environment is one that is not conducive to um, uh, to growth. Uh, you know, when you have communities pulling together, it's a positive thing for the community, and I, I would encourage that everywhere in the country. I think uh, communities pulling together is a force for good, but if you have an infrastructure that's crumbling, um, a physical infrastructure that's crumbling, uh, ports, railways, all those sort of things run by the government. Um, it's very hard to generate growth, to generate jobs. If you have a legal infrastructure that's crumbling, it's very hard to create jobs, to do business, to grow. Uh, and and that's why, uh, you know, I think this thing with communities pulling together is great. But if that starts replacing the state, then I think there's large parts of infrastructure that just fall away. And that's a very difficult environment in which to do business and to grow and to create jobs. What about the external view of what's happened in South Africa? Are you getting any, do you have any thoughts on that? Look, I, I, I've seen various reports and, uh, and you know, I, this is all very real for us in South Africa. We, it's vivid because we're living this, especially if you're living in KZN. But remember, these sort of things happened, were happening in the U.S. not that long ago. I mean, there, were, there was looting happening in a lot of the cities in the U.S. post uh, the BLM, when the BLM movement started. For days on end in Seattle and other cities, there's looting happening there. 
just at the beginning of this year, you had a crowd of people invade the Capitol in, in Washington, D.C., you know, these guys with the horns on their heads and, uh, you know, all those funny guys invade the Capitol. So, you know, these sort of, if I can call it uprisings, uh, have been happening all over the world. Um, and it's come to South Africa. And, and uh, one of the main reasons is there are a whole bunch of poor people and disempowered people globally and this uh, and that the problem has been exacerbated by lockdowns and other regulations put in place to fight this pandemic and the second order and third order effects are what we are seeing now uh, the first order effects you know some people would would say that lockdowns help prevent the spread of the virus that could or that might or might not be right but it's a second and third order effects as with most things that is where the rubber hits the road. And I think that's what we're seeing in South Africa. We're seeing it in other countries, the US, Cuba. Now um, there was looting in the UK not that long ago. I, you know, it, it's, it's the disempowered portion of the population has just become bigger as a result of lockdowns and other associated measures to fight the pandemic. And that's the crux of the problem. Yeah. Pete, uh, I've been asking everyone over the past few days uh, the same question, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Is there any upside in all of this? I think longer term, there could be an upside. Uh, right now where I sit, uh, no, there's no upside in this sort of thing. Um, you know, if you if you destroy a large portion of uh, one of the more bigger uh, municipal centers of the country, there's no upside to that. Uh, and to sit here and to say, where's the upside, where's the opportunity, I think that's just wrong. I think uh, the first thing to do is to is to get, uh, support your community, uh, support the people around you, help where you can, um, and and hopefully, uh, if we fall on if the, if the government's policies fall on the right side of the watershed, there could be some longer term upside. But right now, I you know I don't think there's there's stuff. Uh, there's no good news in in all of this. No even even there's, the there's fact no that news. the that the frog has now realized that he's in a pot that is being boiled. And even the fact that communities are no longer, or people are, many people are no longer apathetic and, and joining in communities. Isn't that better than this, this no, ceaseless so, drift? So, so again, um, uh, to the extent that that helps push the government to the right side of the watershed, yes, longer term, that is definitely positive. There's no doubt about it. Herman Mashaba, Action SA, is going to sue government and Cyril Ramaphosa and the Minister of Police for inaction, for being missing in action, Herman. Uh, it's, uh, it's a class action lawsuit, which has only recently come to South Africa. Is that, and it seems very innovative. Uh, what is behind this? Well, you know, I, I like, I've really been really concerned about the direction my country is taking for some time, uh, realizing that we are governed by a criminal syndicate. So I've been really talking to lawyers here in South Africa and abroad, uh, to see what angle one can use uh, in actually ANC being declared a criminal international organization. Because, I mean, if you look at uh, what has happened the last 20, seven years of our democracy. We've seen more criminality coming out of the ANC than actually saving society. And um, we sued uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa because he has openly abdicated his responsibility to discharge his constitutional obligation. The Minister of Police and, and the, the, the security clusters, including the ANC as an organization on a class action uh, lawsuit. And uh, I think it's something that makes sense and from what the lawyers have presented, I think this is a winnable case. But very, it's not obviously a walk in the park. Uh, you can imagine they're going to use your taxes, Alex, uh, to defend uh, themselves. They'll do everything possible to protect themselves. But I think uh, we've got enough evidence. And you're also calling on other South Africans who've been affected during this last week of rioting to join you in this class action? Well, I think we're doing it really more for for, 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 for them, uh, more especially the business community, uh, SMMEs, uh, people who've lost uh, everything. I mean, uh, there are people out there who have been uh, hit uh, over the year with uh, all this uh, unreasonable, sometimes COVID regulations, uh, 
totally unreasonable. And all of a sudden, you finish them by uh, by unleashing criminal elements to go and destroy their businesses. Uh, these people don't have insurance. So we're calling on them. Even those with uh, having insurance, um, the more the merrier. So we're asking any business that what actually wants to really join us on on, on this. We uh, Our lawyers believe that this, uh, this is a winnable case um, under the current South African constitution. And um, uh, we are committed to it. I'm personally committed to to read, uh, to, to, uh, to this to really demonstrate to South Africans that uh, we are governed by uh, criminal syndicates. I think uh, you just have to really look at uh, the evidence uh, uh, put forward in, in the Zondo Commission. So there's enough evidence uh, that we can really uh, produce in any court of law to demonstrate uh, the criminality of uh, this government. Let me give you just one simple example. Look at the the the, the current minister of uh, health who has been put on paid leave with security, everything, earning what two point eight million rands a, a year. SIU has already given the report to Sel Ramaphosa. When is it already? What two three weeks sitting on it? But us as taxpayers have to really deal with this. When people in this country don't have bread uh, to buy, in fact, uh, they've now even now destroyed facilities where they can go and buy. Even those that can have money to go and buy bread, they don't have anywhere to really buy because they've destroyed uh, their infrastructure. On Sunday, when uh, Senator Ramaphosa announced uh, having the so-called uh, family meetings, I issued a press statement asking the president to say, based on, 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 on uh, the developments uh, the last few days, Trucks are being banned on the entry and so forth. Who said, uh, advised, uh, requested him, because I'm not his advisor, I requested him as a concerned South African with total good faith. Says, Mr. President, please bring in the army because uh, our, uh, our police are not going to really have the capacity to do this. Please set up special courts like we did in 2010 so that as soon as you arrest these people, the current constitution is not going to be enough uh, to quell this. Have um, a special court so that uh, you arrest uh, the person within uh, six hours or whatever time they can go to court and face uh, the mind of our court. So that if they are found guilty, let them join Jacob Zuma in prison. If they are, they are innocent, release them. But you cannot have... Um, the current legislation where these criminals are arrested in a few hours, they've got lawyers uh, getting them out. This is unacceptable. And um, you saw his uh, um, at a family meeting on Sunday. What a disappointment. Only he did the call 24, uh, 48 hours later. And uh, you look at him, how he presented you presented this matter as if, you know, what is talking to a nation that is the wealthiest in, in the world where there are no issues. Uh, where, uh, someone stole um, mm. someone's uh, the car radio, uh, therefore he's concerned about it. I mean, you could see emotionally was totally detached uh, from his statement, not really showing the seriousness of this matter. And now in the process, what has happened? If, I mean, what embarrassing situation. While he was busy addressing the nation, at, on the side of the screen, people were, were, lo- were looting. People are still looting even up to today. And we know this has got absolutely nothing to do with uh, you and I, law-abiding citizens of this country. This is as a result of the affectional battles within the ANC and with no uh, interest of society behind them. It's got to do with the unity of the ANC because Sel Ramaphosa has always uh, uh, said uh, his priority is the unity of the ANC. So where South Africa falls in his um, uh, priority list, I'm not really sure. That is for that reason we are saying no. Sel, uh, the president has really abdicated this responsibility. The Minister of Police, the Minister of Defense, Intelligence, including the ANC as an organization, and we'll take them up. And uh, yes, I know they're going to use my taxes to defend themselves, but uh, we believe um, we have a... It's interesting to see that civil society has been coming a lot more to the fore recently, I suppose because they've had to. Uh, Previously apathetic citizens joining together, protecting their suburbs, getting involved. Uh, We know the Maponya Mall in Soweto was saved only because of 
uh, people in the area saying, you're not going to burn this one down. Is this something that action will be in Action SA's favor? In other words, this revitalization, perhaps, of a involvement by citizenry in South Africa? You know what, uh, Alex, uh, this whole matter uh, for me has got absolutely nothing to do in uh, getting favor or not. It's about Mm -hmm. my country, South Africa. That's the only country in the world. I only hold one citizenship. I've got nowhere to go. I can afford to go and live uh, uh, anywhere in the world, but I'm not going anywhere. This is the only country I have, and this is the only country I'm going to protect, and this is where I'm going to really die. So, therefore, if that is the case... Uh, with uh, fortunate enough, we've got a constitutional framework that allows us as South Africans. I don't live under apartheid. Under apartheid, what I've said, I've already been charged under terrorism act in 90 days without trial. I live in a constitutional democracy, and I have asked South Africans: we don't live under under the suppression of uh, communism act of 1950. We live in a constitutional democracy with the Bill of Rights. Uh, Bill, Bill, Bill of Rights uh, adopted in 1996. And as a South Africans, our silence has actually failed us, more especially captains of industry. They've got to take the responsibility for their support of this uh, indecisive leader because they really went all out to really support uh, Sel Ramaphosa. And I want uh, South Africa about Sel Ramaphosa that is going to fail us. And look at, he has spectacularly failed us. We are a laughing stock of the world. What about the fact that he and the security forces were missing in action during the first few days? They they appear to now uh, be on the ground, but certainly they were nowhere to be seen and left citizens to their own devices, uh, whatever that might be. And we've seen many uh, instances of this on social media. Some people are taking the law into their own hands. How you were president, would you handle this differently? This is, uh, you know, for me, Alec, the basis of our uh, our the legal challenge uh, and uh, this uh, class action. That's the basis of uh, of our action. We can prove beyond any reasonable doubt that Cyril Ramaphosa has uh, abdicated his responsibility as uh, as the, uh, the citizen of this country to protect our constitution. And in the process of protecting our constitution, he's got an obligation to protect my property, to protect my life and the, the lives and the property of the 50-plus million South Africans. And he failed, and he failed in, in, in his duty, uh, which is really very un, unfortunate for him to, for having acted in, in, in this manner. But why we know he acted in this manner is because he knows this whole issue has got to do with the ruptures within the ANC. So right now he's in meetings to see how he can have uh, the unity of the ANC, not to really protect uh, you and I and our properties and our, our lives. Because uh, his first priority, it is the ANC unity. And ANC unity is a pipe dream. It will never happen because uh, it is not about public interest. It's about being closer to public resources so that they can continue stealing. And we are not going to, as South Africans, going to allow them any longer. And and I'm uh, committed to this course on ensuring that uh, we can uh, unseat the ANC in a peaceful manner using our constitutional right. I'm up asking and appealing to the 18 and a half million South Africans who did not vote the last time. Please, fellow South Africans, go and register to vote. IEC just yesterday opened up uh, um, um, online registration. Let us ensure that we have elections as a matter of agency. Let us go out and, and unseat this ANC. One thing I can tell South Africans that ANC does not really have uh, the support of the armed uh, forces. We cannot really have a democracy, but we can have chaos. Well, most South Africans have heard of Gift of the Givers and the founder and the man who drives it, Dr. Imtias Suleiman. Uh, Imtias, maybe just by way of background, there's quite a lot of rumor circulating uh, social media and elsewhere that your warehouse uh, was looted. Well, actually, it, well, it's not true, number one. And secondly, it's actually not my warehouse either. It's a warehouse that was used by a person who was a volunteer 
a business person who used to work with us and in the Port Shepston and South Coast area. He used to do deliveries and distributions. He would call us and say, people I need here, can you help? So we would send him supplies in advance. He would park it off in that warehouse and within a day or two, he would deliver it. Now, unfortunately, in January this year, the volunteer, his brother and his father, all three succumbed to COVID. I lost all three of them. And as a result of that, you know, we couldn't use the warehouse anymore. We had no supplies in there. Only, we only came to know about it ourselves when we saw the post on social media and we saw our signage in that warehouse, which we realized he had put a sign inside the warehouse, but it actually wasn't our warehouse. The tragedy of this all is that he had served the people so well, and yet people found it appropriate to come and loot the warehouse, and eventually they even burned it. Extraordinary. It is a strange time that we're living through at the moment, and your services are going to be more necessary probably than ever before in the aftermath. Yes, it's already coming. You know, I mean, it, 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 on Sunday, when it started on Sunday, it was okay. Monday, it was fine. And then suddenly the calls started coming in. Strangely enough, from private hospitals first, and then public hospitals saying, we have two nurses on duty. Our patients are hungry. We can't get oxygen to them. What do we do? We don't have enough staff. Can you help? We can't, we don't, there's no place. We don't know where to access food. Everything is closed. There's no transport. The roads are closed. What do we do? Medical workers calling in saying, we, we can't get to work. Our patients are suffering. So that was the first call was from hospitals. Then within 48 hours on chat groups and our calls flooded with one request. Our babies need milk. And some babies need a special type of milk depending on the type of conditions they had. Because nobody had prepared to have, nobody was prepared for this and nobody had supplies in advance. So that was the second request. By the third day, widows, old people, people who are ill, 84 years old, 74 years old, we're hungry, we have no food in our house. And then around the same time, very well-healed people, expensive homes, and ordinary people, and all types of people, where do we access basic like milk and, and bread and those kind of items? And then the clamor just grew. People were in desperation. What do we do? How do we get it? When do we get it? How do you respond to those calls? Well, you know, you, 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 the advantage of, of having the group chat is suddenly you, you'll be, it, it, the resource Africans are very resourceful. Somebody will put a post, need milk powder, need baby stuff, I can get it from somewhere. Somebody else will say bread is available from somebody else. Thirdly, someone will say milk is available here. Here's a list of pharmacies that are open. Oh, I'm a pharmacist, I'm opening 10 to 1, I'm in a certain area. Give me the list of things that you want. You'll find it around the country, those kind of messages go out. But quite often, by the time you found that it, it's the guy's already left, or you can't get the stuff, or he doesn't have the stuff that you want in, 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 in his stock, he doesn't have it. And he can't get it from the wholesaler. And unfortunately, in terms of medicines and medical supplies, the, the large numbers of chemists were destroyed, and even pharmaceutical wholesalers were destroyed. The other thing is, whilst people putting on this list, something even greater happened. The guy will say, or the lady will say, please, I can drop it off, or you can fetch it at a certain point, there's no charge. Two bread per house or one milk or two milk per house, there's no charge. Just tell us how many you need. Sure. How are you seeing this developing from here? I, I, clearly, you know, people who, who are religious um, will think there has to be a purpose. There has to be some reason for all of this uh, which is being visited upon us. And I'd be fascinated to hear your thoughts. Well, you have to look at it. There's four categories of people involved in this. The one is the pro-Zuma camp who said they are setting this thing up because it's a political issue within the ANC. Then came the criminal element, the looters, the ones who took this as an opportunity. Thirdly came the most dangerous of all, the agent provocateurs. This thing was not done spontaneously. This was well-driven, well-organized, and it's clear. I call these people traitors. Mm. They are people who are trying to destabilize the country. Nobody attacks pharmaceutical industries which helps people. Nobody burns ambulances and attacks paramedics. Nobody stops hospital workers and nurses to go to hospitals to give assistance to people of all races. Everything done here was negative in the interest of South Africa. And if you're saying you're doing this for the people of South Africa, there's something seriously wrong with your narrative. So you are the traitors. And the fourth one is cannon fodder. Ordinary people who are hungry, many of them are hungry, that's a fact, we witnessed that over the last 15 months. And opportunists, 
Guys were driving Mercedes, BMWs, 4x4s, rushing in to catch in, cash in on the TVs and all those kind of items. Pure opportunists, but not dangerous. And you have a woman with a child and all types of people, you know, students, university students, all cashing in on the opportunity. Again, not violent people, but opportunistic in what has happened. Now, if you look at all this, the narrative started when, when people started defending themselves, when the government has dismally failed its people and its citizens, you find people started defending themselves. And the third force then used that as an opportunity to divide and rule and create the hype around race and bring in race uh, conflict to, to support the aim. Fortunately for the country itself and the maturity of the people on the ground and several leaders you know, among the community from all race groups stood up and were not going to accept this. You would find the black, white, Indian and colored will stand together and say, we're going to defend this. This is not acceptable. People in different parts of the country said, this is not acceptable. And what was the turning point when Santaco and the Taxi Association, Association said, we will not allow this to happen. No more malls are going to be, to be, to be attacked. Your question is, from a religious point of view, what has happened? It has united South Africans in an incredible way. I've never seen so much of goodwill and support for each other. Where communities who looted, people are saying, even among those communities, the hungry people, we need to go back and help them. Where people are so forgiving and wanting to help each other and said, we need to stand with each other, make things available, go to the informal settlement, see what their needs are, help, you know, and, and, and informal settlement people will come forward and said, do you want us to be part of the barricade? Do you want us to help and protect to make sure looters don't come inside here? Yeah. It's an incredible story. Alec, I've never seen anything in this in my 29 years of working in disaster in South Africa. Extraordinary. So there is an upside. There's a great upside. You know what? South Africans are not going to be used again to, to be divided along race lines and any kind of issue that tears us apart, whether it's race or anything else. The sentiment and the narrative from all groups is coming that we must stand together. And what is absolutely encouraging is when the corporate started for, for a calling in their numbers, we're still busy. There's a few of them saying we want to help. Now, they've taken a big knock. Many of the companies, they, the malls have been destroyed. Shops have been destroyed. Chain stores have been destroyed. It is those same very chain stores, Woolworths and Checkers and others calling and saying, look, tell us what you need. Banks calling, Standard Bank, Rand Merchant Bank saying, what do you want? Just tell us. They've taken a decision, like Standard Bank phoned me last night. In 30 seconds, they approved 15 million rand. And it's that kind of sentiment that's coming from corporates to say, we need to help our people who are in difficulty. People are saying, where do we, can we access medicines? What can we do? You know, doctor surgeries have been burned. Blood bank was raided. Pharmacies affected. And, and, and people are saying, you know what? We'll stand together. We'll support each other. We'll put up funds. We'll hold each other's hands and we'll go forward. Incredible. I've never seen anything like that. And how can they help? How can those who are um, feeling this goodwill, this, this uh, human spirit, uh, support and, and, uh, and, and help to make things better? Well, right now, you know what? The, first, the most important way is financial contributions. That's the best way right now. We don't want to fill warehouses. You know, we, there's, there's still an element outside who's trying to loot. So we need to give it another day or two for more of the troops to come in. You know, there's only about 800 on the ground in case they didn't. They've approved 5,000. I, I don't know when the other ones are going to come. But once things are more secure, then we can take items in kind. But in the meantime, stock is available. Things can be done. Distributions have started. We're starting with hospitals. We've already started with hospitals and old-age homes, orphanages, places of safety. We're busy distributing there. And many individual groups are busy with different communities and trying to help, whether bread or milk or whatever, baby milk powder. But to answer your question, the first one is bank, you know, cash contributions. Corporates can call us directly. You know, we can speak to them directly. And a lot of them want to do contributions in, in a big way. In fact, the other thing that has happened, a lot of corporates have called and said, we have so many staff in this province, KZN province. Can you help us get stuff to them? We can't reach them. They can't get the stuff. We'll provide the funding. That's another option that has been taken. And a lot have called for that purpose. My bank details are on our website. You know, and it, uh, and the toll-free line is available if people want to discuss further. 0800-786-911. Or if you want to call me directly, 
4029. When we're ready for the more bulk donations in, in, in kind, we are preparing special warehouses. We're waiting for clearance for people to give us those warehouses. We're looking at planes, helicopters, small planes, shipping, and one additional point. South Africans from UK, Ireland, Denmark, Netherlands, New Zealand, Australia, Dubai have all called, already starting campaigns to support us. Wayne Duvenage is perhaps the highest profile leader of a community organization, and we're hearing more and more about how South Africans are pulling together in communities. So, Wayne, it, it's, uh, and also from KwaZulu Natal originally, I know that because I know what part of KwaZulu Natal you're from. Having a look at the way communities have pulled together, particularly in our home province, it does appear as though something might have happened here. Yeah, I think we do see this um, voluntary assistance uh, in the mindset and the psyche of of so many South Africans and uh, uh, that that comes to the fore in times of disaster and in need. We've seen it with the drought reliefs in the past. So we've got some really good organizations like Gift of the Givers. Uh, and it, but it's really very interesting to see how communities have mobilized themselves. And it's easier today with social media. Um, but this spirit, this humanitarian spirit that comes to the fore uh, so often is just so rewarding and so needed in times like this. And yet uh, often forgotten, we see an, a high degree of apathy amongst most population. Not right now. And, and I'd like to explore that. Outer from from all the work that you've done, I'm sure you must have uh, sometimes thought that there would be exponentially more people who'd be supporting the organisation. You know, I, I, we agree. I mean, we would love to have a lot more. I think that's a combination of of learned apathy. You have this view that, well, that's great. We love the work, and uh, we know people are supporting you. So, so yeah, that, you know, and and then. And a lot of people don't know that we that we survive and, and, and need. Uh, we run on this uh, um, crowdfunded model uh, on public donations. And so, as they learn that, and as they learn about the work we do, and not everybody knows about Arta, um, our, our supporter base grows. But it is tough, you know. We would expect it to be double, triple what it is, uh, and, and and yet, so we've got to work. We've got to keep working and, and keep and keep telling our story. <laughs> Wayne, what are you hearing from your members on the ground in KwaZulu-Natal? Well, it's <clears throat> it's chaos. It's devastating. Uh, the aftermath of this is going to live with them for a long time and, and here as well and in other parts of the country because the supply lines are cut off. The uh, So the distribution and getting food to the markets uh, in and out of ports, uh, uh, it, it's, it's closed down. So it's going to have a a devastating impact on the economy from fuel to food, uh, infrastructure, uh, and then rebuilding. Uh, this is going to take a long time, but uh, maybe, uh, you know, I always try and find the good out of this is nobody can really say, well, we, we needed this, but what will happen and what has to happen, Alec, is that, is that I, I sincerely believe this is the time to ask why and how did this happen? We understand there is a political agenda that there was crime. Uh, but what? how do we prevent this from going forward? And I think we just look back, um, we can understand that in our since our new democracy, we really haven't paid attention to education, health, uh, uh, to safety, to poverty alleviation, to job creation, to uh, uh, closing the, the, uh, the gap between uh, rich and poor. Uh, this, this inequality that exists. And yet we had every potential to be a thriving, prosperous nation with all the, everything that we have going for us. And, and, and our politics got in the way. Looting got in the way. Uh, Self-interest got in the way. And a system that is broken. Uh, and that, if we can take from this the, the, the journey forward to fix what is so fundamentally wrong, the electoral reform that is required, education, building, putting competence into government. Uh, and I think there's going to be a good road ahead, good growth, by the way, coming from this. But if we don't seize this opportunity to do that, then we will become a banana republic. But, but that's an interesting point. But what I'm getting more and more, and it's not just now since the rioting, but prior to the rioting, 
is that South Africans have seen the emperor's got no clothes and that they're now sick to death of it. And they are starting to make their own decisions and their own, their own plans, particularly the Afrikaners who have been in the forefront, if you like, of uh, the attack from the government, their schools, their universities, and so on. So the Afrikaners tell me they're 10 years ahead of the rest of South Africa, Mm. that they're putting together their communities, a little bit like the activism that you're busy with, with your community. People came behind you, they supported you, because at the time they saw that there was nothing that they could individually do about attacking Mm. corruption. But now having had the emperor's clothes completely thrown away, uh, at the time of need, the government was not there, could not be there to protect mm-hmm. communities. There's, there's an acceleration perhaps of this, that communities, are people are getting together, fending for themselves in collectives, and mm-hmm. indeed perhaps working more on a local level. And I'd love to get your, your insights, your thoughts on that, given the experience that you have with Arta. Yes, no, absolutely. Uh, um, this this does give rise to citizen-based um, leadership, uh, and and it does it does start to separate. Um, well, first of all, citizens understand their power a lot better, and then it starts to separate the state and and, and communities. Uh, there's a lot of good in that, but there's also a lot of bad because what happens is you pay your taxes. Uh, and yet you now have to start with your own security uh, structures and your own, you know, we've just seen this over time. I think if we unpack it, uh, it, it, it the, the government has just been too slow with its with its dominant single party that has not had the best interests of society. And we've had these 10 years with Zuma and a realization and Surah Maposa coming on board, moving in the right trajectory, but having to play this game of chess with his party uh, and this catered deployment and, and, and the self-enrichment uh, process that has been happening for so long and trying to undo that. And I think he knows what he has to do. He has to be very careful. This might be the catalyst for him, uh, but we're not seeing that leadership uh, coming to the fore to say this is what he's been talking about, and he has. He's been talking about competent appointments now. Catered mm. deployment is an issue. Uh, I mean, what is Gwede Mantashi doing in energy? He has knows nothing about it. What is Fakile Mbalila doing in transport and uh, Becky Kele? These people should not be in these positions, and this might give him the time to shake that tree. The problem he has is he's got a party that might not want him there if he does that too rigorously, and then we have a problem because heaven help us if uh, David Mabuse, his deputy, gets into power or Ace or anybody else. But, but aren't you <clears throat> missing the point here? Mm-hmm. The ANC, people don't give a damn about them anymore. Certainly people on the ground. Yeah, the, the, the communities that were shooting looters in their, in their neighborhoods couldn't care about the, this government who never protected them. They couldn't care if Mbalula or whoever with a big mouth can, uh, can get some senior government position. It appears <clears throat> that there's a catalyst that has occurred here. Because yeah. what is the point of saying that you, you, you support a system which, when the chips are down, is missing in action. The president was missing in action. And it's, there's no two ways of, of, uh, of changing that. His speech that he brought out, Wayne, I, I, I don't know if it inspired you, but you would be the first. It didn't, it didn't inspire me. It lacked leadership. It lacked decisiveness uh, and, and a hard approach to dealing with this problem. I'm not saying that he's right. I'm just saying that we have a democracy and the ANC is the majority party still in power till 2024. Local elections are coming. And I think local elections are going to show uh, the metal uh, of, of, of communities and society because that there's a difference between national and local. And it is in the local space that change has been happening for some time. Mm. Uh, a localized tax revolts taking over the running of the water systems and that going to court, removing uh, uh, and councils, and there's going to be a lot more of that. The local elections are going to tell us a lot, especially with this independent candidate uh, uh, movements and, 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 and structures that are being set up. So the local elections, we believe, will be moved out a bit uh, further. It gives time to, to really take from this learning and solidify that. So uh, we'll get a lot of uh, understanding of where this country is going to go politically mm. at the local government elections. But we also have to have electoral reform because people, the party... List system 
and people electing people uh, to, to represent them in parliament in constituencies, that is missing. That's what the electoral reform court case that ourselves and the New Nation movement mm. went to court mm. on, but they're dragging their feet. Now, coming back to the current situation, they're in power, yes, people might not care, but they've got the purse strings, and they know now. And I think Cyril knows, he's been knowing it for a while, he knows he has to move now with urgency to change things, because when we get government right, government for the people, then it's going to go well. Otherwise, we'll have government by the people for the people. And that's also starting to take shape. So organized civil society is becoming a reality uh, in this country now. Well, that was tonight's Biz News Power Hour. Don't forget to join us same time, same place on Monday. Until then, have a wonderful weekend. Cheerio. You've been listening to the Power Hour, brought to you by the team at Biz News.